Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11 through verse 22. We're going to dive into that text. This is a letter to the Ephesians or the church at Ephesus to a community of Christ followers there at Ephesus, written to Jewish and Gentile Christ followers. The title of the message is, Life, Without, life with Walls is No Life at All. Life with Walls is No Life at All. You know what? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Your best life, your very best life is on the other side of having walls. Your best life, the best version of you, how God designed you was not to live with walls in your life. So we're going to talk about that this morning as we read this and we explain it and then we apply it to our lives. And so then we're going to be invited to think about and potentially tear down some walls in our own lives here. I'm going to close with four specifics on how we can do this. So if you would stand to your feet for the reading of the scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, it's on the screens in your notes or on your smartphones, says this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought us peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You may be seated. So the Apostle Paul now is going to take them on a, on a remembering journey, on a remembering journey here, kind of like we take a journey with scrapbooks right here. These scrapbooks are from the Collins household here. I went on a remembering journey just last night. And so there's, a, there's two of these scrapbooks here. We have two verses where we're going to be taken on a remembering journey. Now, when you go on a remembering journey, you, you know, you look and, and uh, these are when my kids were little and all, and my wife and I hadn't been married very long. And so we're looking at these. This is a journey from, from a couple decades ago here and remembering everything like Paul taking them on a journey from a couple decades ago where they used to be, where we used to be, what it used to be like, what life used to be like, what our family used to be like, our existence used to be like is contained Right here. Well, that's what Paul's going to do now in these next two verses. He's going to take us on a, on a memory road here and tell us what your life used to be like. We're going to unpack your pre-Christ life here. So we're going on a remembering journey here. And if I lose one of these books here, because I lose things, if I lose one of these books, this may be the last time you see me. But they tell us what family is like here. Don't forget what it used to be like. So he says in verse 11, don't forget where you came from. This is a brief biography. This is our state here. Uh, what he's going to do, he's going to talk about the Jews and the Gentiles, where they came from. Mostly, drill, he's drilling down actually on the Jews here. He says, don't forget you were an outsider. 
Don't forget people used to put you down. Don't forget that you used to be left out and less than. Don't forget that people called you the you word, uncircumcised, unchosen, undeserving, unworthy, unclean, unwanted, ungodly. You were the you word, the uncircumcised. That was you. And so you were, in the Jewish mind, you were these repulsive, idol-worshiping outsiders. So much so that in the temple there, there was a wall there by the court of the Gentiles, and it said, if you cross this wall, you alone are responsible for your soon death. So much so that the attitude was that Gentiles were created because God needed more kindling for hell. Gentiles were to keep the fires of hell burning. That's what Gentiles were all about here. So on my little diagram here, I hope you enjoy the artwork of this diagram here, you know. This is what I get paid the big bucks for. So anyway, so we've got the Gentiles here, okay. We've got the Gentiles right here, okay. We've got Gentiles and uh, not too happy, not too happy of Gentiles. It's a good thing I didn't major in art in college, but there it is. Okay, there's a Gentile. (coughs) Didn't think that was funny, but apparently it is funny. It's amazing how I don't try to be funny, and it's funny. And then when I do try to be funny, you don't get it half the time. But that's another story. So we have the Gentiles here. You're enjoying that. They were the outcasts, okay? They were the outcasts. They were strangers. They were alienated from God, uncircumcised, without hope, and without God. Then on the other side here, on the other side, you have got, you've got the Jews. You've got the Jews here. Those that you can see, the Jews, really, really happy Jews, okay? Happy Jews, okay? I'm going to get a complex. I'm going to get a complex about all the laughing of my artwork. So you have the Jews happy. You have the Gentiles not happy. The Jews here chosen by God. Chosen by God, they're set apart. They have the promises of God. They're hopeful in God. They're blessed. Life is good if you're a Jew. Life is very good if you're a Jew. Not so good if you're a Gentile. They're those idol-worshiping, repulsive, uh, uncircumcised Gentiles there. And so that they had it so bad, they weren't even allowed to go into the temple. They had, well, they, they, they had to stay in the outer courts there, kind of like the nosebleed, the, the back of the bus section, you know, the crummy seats there. So it says you used to be outsiders. You used to be, you were outsiders, he's saying here. Remember, this is their story. And there's this intense, deep-seated animosity. I'm talking about hatred. I'm talking about, I'm talking about centuries of hostility here. I'm talking about conflict. And it was toxic on steroids, their relationship. And so they're referred to by the U word uncircumcised here, which was derogatory. It was offensive. It was a dig at them. So the Jews, obviously, they're not endeared to the Gentiles. They're not fans of the Gentiles there. And so what is circumcision then? We made a big deal about uncircumcised Gentiles. What is circumcision? Well, all the kids are invited to ask their parents on the way home after church in the car. (laughs) 
And so circumcision, then Jews, Jews were snobs about their skin jobs. I came up with that on my own. Cheers. They were. They were snobs. And so circumcision was a skin job. They're a demarcation that you were on God's team. You're all about God's team. So everyone else that wasn't, wasn't part of God's team there. And so it was an outward sign of this inward covenant there with God. And ultimately would be fulfilled by the circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit. But, it, but the circumcision pointed to and was a demarcation of their relationship with God. They were distinct. Where they would say, we are God's people. We are God's team. We belong to God. And you Gentiles, you uncircumcised Gentiles, no salvation for you're out of luck there. God's not, God's not with you. So this was steeped in history. So much so that David there, he was going to face Goliath. You remember in that showdown there. And so David looks and he hears all about Goliath. And he, and he hears about him. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? An uncircumcised Philistine. So the Jews were like, yeah, David, our guy. Goliath, the uncircumcised Philistine, the enemy of God, your guy. Nebuchadnezzar, uncircumcised, your bad guy, your guy. The Egyptians, bad people, your people. See, the Babylonians, bad to the bone. Your people, us, we're the circumcised Jews. And so that's what was going on there. But it's hard to get our minds around the intensity of the feeling that was there. But here's what happened. Verse 12 says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. And you lived in this world without God and without hope. So here's what was happening between the Jew and the Gentile is there was a dividing demarcation, an intense wall of hostility a wall of hostility that was between them. They're completely separated there. And so, uh, in fact, oh, take, take a look at this picture here. If you could show them the picture of the temple there. Here's a picture of the temple. There's a picture of the temple. And what I want you to see here is this outside parts, the court of the Gentiles, okay? But then see, there's another wall around there. That's the wall. If they cross that wall, they would be killed. Then there's another, there's more walls. And ultimately, you get into the inner court where only the priests could go. You have the court uh, of the women there, court of the Israelites. Then on the outside is the court of the Gentiles. So that wall there separated them. That's what he's referring to when he talks about this wall of hostility that you cross at your own death there. And so remember, he's saying, this was your story. Say, look, bro, this was you. This was your bio. That's where you lived. Says, let me walk you through where you came. So in your notes there, remembering where we were in your notes, without Christ, you're without Christ, which is to be without God there. He's saying, look, this was part of your journey. This was your story. You had no foundation for life. You, you didn't have Christ there. You were at zero point spiritually. You were dead, remember, in your trespasses and in your sins. You were headed for God's wrath. You had no access to God, no relationship to Jesus. That was you. 
So you were completely ignorant about him. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say also that you were without family. You were not a child of God in your notes. You were without family. You didn't experience God's love, God's grace, God's peace, God's forgiveness. You were without family there. You didn't have God as your father there. You didn't know his love. You were outside the family of faith there. And then he says you were without the promises. See, the Jews knew all about the promises of God. The promises through David and through Abraham and through Noah. Promises of a new beginning. Promises that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. They understood all those covenants and promises of God. The Gentiles, zero point there. They didn't understand that the promises of the forgiveness of sin, the promises of eternal home in heaven and God's power and God's presence and God's guidance and God's uh, uh, giving us the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand any of that there. He also says in your notes, you are without hope. See, if you have Jesus, you have hope. He is for all times our eternal hope. He's the hope of the nations here, the hope of the world. And Think about your own life. In the midst of your despair and your trials and your tribulations and your uncertainty and your heartache and, and your pain there, what hope do you have outside of Christ here? Hope means a confident expectation. And then he says, you were without God. You were without God in your life. He says, remember that God was once not your God. Remember that Christ was once not your Savior here. Once you didn't have a relationship with God, you didn't know God. He was foreign to you. He was out there to you. You were just doing your thing there. You were dead to God, face down, floating down a river, going over the falls there, hopeless. That was you, your story before Christ. Not only that, think of this, without God, what purpose do you have in your life? Really, you were without purpose there. Because God is a great purpose giver of life. He's the great purposer of your life here. Thought about this. People that don't have, don't have this in, in, in their lives, what do they do but, but really try to fill the, the emptiness within and the lack of sometimes purpose within and sort of tranquilizing our own boredom there? Now verse 13. This is awesome. Now Jesus enters in your story. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're checking out church or were invited this morning. This could be your story right here. Now, enter, Jesus enters into the story. He says, but now you've been united with Christ, Jesus. You were once far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So now everything changes here. But now, highlight, circle, underline, because this is awesome. When you're joined to Jesus, everything changes here. You have a new existence, a new reality, a new future here. Outsiders become insiders. Okay, God came to you because you were so far from him. You couldn't come to him, so he comes to you there. You were once excluded, now you're united. Jesus then unites us, and so watch. This is what Jesus does. This is verse 13 here. This is what it's all about. Verse 13 is Jesus brings together, okay, brings us, watch, brings us to himself 
to God. And in doing that, and in doing that, watch, watch. When this gets right here between, between God and man, look, then this happens here. Then Jew and Gentile, the relationship completely new, utterly new. The word is, is, is something that has never existed before. Not just a paradigm shift, a paradigm that never even existed there. That's what Christ does is, is he brings us together here. Outsiders become insiders. So verse 14, watch. For Christ himself okay, okay, has brought peace to us and he united okay, Jews and Gentiles. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that existed between us. See, the problem was the dividing wall. There was no way to conquer the wall. There was no way. We couldn't jump over the wall. We couldn't break through the wall. The wall was an impenetrable wall. Through centuries, the wall was there. But what Jesus did, he broke down. He abolished the wall. And this is going somewhere with intense personal application here. So that was the problem. What Jesus did on the cross is he tore down he, the dividing wall. He brought enemies together is what he did there. And so Gentiles, who had previously been in the nosebleed section now, now they have, now Gentiles here have access to God. They never did before. And so uh, he broke down the wall of hostility that segregated. So again, the Jews and Gentiles were separated there. And so I want to help us grasp this a little bit better. So we're going to do another audience participation, all right? We're going to do another, you love, you love a sanctuary church. We love audience participation, don't we? Don't we? We love it. Okay. So what we're going to do, this says Gentiles are on this side, perhaps the Los Angeles Gentiles. So uh, the Los Angeles Gentiles on this side right here. Are you with me, Los Angeles Gentiles? On this side right here, I have the New England Jews, okay? I got the New England Jews right here. I got the New England Jews. So let me just talk to you about, and I am, I'm standing in for God here. So let me talk to you about the Jews here. Let me talk to you about the New England Jews. They're chosen. How many championships have they won? I don't even know, but a lot of them. They've won a lot. The New England Jews here, they're a little arrogant. They're a little confident, you can see here. A little arrogant, a little confident. Okay, they're strutting their stuff. That's how they were. Okay, so they look down on the, hold it, they look down on the Gentiles. So see, I, God, I want to bless you. I want to bless you with the best of the best, the best food. I want to give you the best homes. Maybe Newport Beach, the little ocean view, if that would work for you. The ocean view in Newport Beach there. Maybe Hawaii, Maui, I don't know, but something you would like. Okay, but you're going to get the best of the best. Now for the Gentiles. I got a, I got a beater in Muscoy. Um, I've got something maybe in Blythe, a little upgrade to Blythe. Maybe Barstow if I'm feeling good. Got some hand-me-downs for you. You get the hand-me-downs. And so the Jews, the, 
the New England Jews. Could you just give me a woohoo how you feel about being the New England Jews and how you feel about... Thank you. Thank you. And the Los Angeles Gentiles. Give me a little yeah And how do you feel about your friends across the row, the Jews over there, the New England Jews? You're feeling the animosity. You're feeling the hostility. I'm feeling it. So that was going on times 1,000. And all of it ended right here at the cross. So what about us? What about us? What does it take home? Because the reality is this, is that we have walls. You have walls, and I have walls. And that's the reality. Now, we have different size walls. Some have big walls, massive walls. Others are, you know, maybe family walls. They're maybe, you know, smaller walls. But, but they're walls. And I, and I get it. You know, sometimes you have to feel like I got to erect walls for my protection and my family's crazy and friends are crazy and people are. And, and I get all that. But I just want to point out a few things to you. When you build walls, what it does is it does isolate. It does ultimately make you lonely. And we build walls over time, and we all build walls. And so I want to push in on that a little bit. What are the walls perhaps that you've built? I mean, you look around us, and it's a wall-weary world. Democrats, Republicans, you know, every day you're seeing, seeing the walls there. But what walls do you see people build today around you? What walls perhaps do you build here? I would suggest to you some walls, why we build walls. Sometimes there are walls of heartache, walls of bitterness, walls of resentment, walls of isolation, walls of unforgiveness, walls because of skin color, walls because of background, walls because of history. Where are your walls? And more importantly, like, what are you going to do with your walls? You see, Jesus came to to, to break down the walls. The story's not for Jews and Gentiles. The story the story's for us. And so Jesus came to break down the walls, and life with walls is no life at all. And so your best life isn't designed to be a life with walls. You really weren't designed to be that way. You were designed to be at peace with God and break down walls. So where is the place in your life that you need to bring down walls and apply this truth to your own life? The rest of the message has to do with that, verse 15. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. We see here that Christ died to create something that the world had never seen. See, where they came together, where they did life together, they shared meals together, they worshiped together. It was a new paradigm that had never existed before. It had never existed before. It wasn't modification of something from the past. It was brand new. And so we're brought near to each other by this relationship with Jesus here. We become one in Christ here. 
united. He changes everything. God, what God did was he created one new people in place of two. And this was unprecedented, never heard of. Christ has done what no one else could do. Something new and unlike anything that had ever been done. So the people from different backgrounds, and like us, different backgrounds, and we're from all, it's wild here if you know everybody's story. It's wild, all the backgrounds here. We, we have multiple uh, backgrounds, ethnicities. And you know what? I'm, I'm a white guy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm a German, Irish, white guy. When I became a Christian, I didn't become less white. I'll always be what I am. But when I became a Christian, I became more than what I am. I became more than just a white guy. I became a new creature in Christ. And it opens the doors for everything. And people, and the, the, perhaps what I would, I would not want to like hang with or be friends with. All that changed because, remember, it's unprecedented. It's new. It's never happened before what God did here in making this, this one new people concept. And so when you become a Christ follower, you're not less you know, Latino or Hispanic or Asian or whatever you are. You're not less of that. But you become more than that, and you add to your life this one new person concept here. And so I have a a friend that I've known for most of my life, and his name's Armando Garcia. Many of you know Armando. He used to be a pastor. He's a lead pastor now out in Fallbrook, Calvary Chapel. Well, I've known Armando since he was a little guy, a little teenager, and so Armando said to me not long ago, he was talking to me. We were just having a conversation like we often do. And Armando says, hey, Rod, you know what? I said, what, Mondo? Because, you know, I'm a Mexican. He says, and in the Mexican family, you know how it is? He says, no, Mondo goes, the, the, the little boys, the little meal, they're, they're spoiled. And I being a Mexican, I've been spoiled all my life. As Armando was talking to me, I thought, I, I was stunned. And I was looking at him, I thought, I almost had an out-of-body experience. I said, Armando's Mexican? <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I tell you before God. I tell you before God. I'm like, Armando's Mexican? Well, really, I was like that. He's Mexican? He never said that. And, you, and, and here's the thing. I had never thought that. 30 years, not once. Oh, Armando's Mexican. One new man. Stop seeing skin color. Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of the death on the cross and hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away. Remember your old story? And peace to you Jews who were near. And you're united as, as one new people here. And so how does this apply to our lives? Verse 18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And so red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. All of us have access to God. Doesn't matter, male, female, Democrat, Republican, poor, young, old, Asian, Mexican, white, Hispanic. Doesn't matter, African-American, doesn't matter. We all have equal access to God there. So in your notes, we are fully adopted with complete access to dad. You are fully adopted. 
And this is the God who says, watch. Now he says, that's who you were and that's who you were. All those things that you were, outsiders, strangers, alienated, without hope, without God. Now let me tell you who you are, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. So it says, look, you're no longer a stranger. Like you belong. Like you're an insider now. Do you believe that? That you're God's child there. And you are who he says you are. Not who you, you know, who you say you are, who others say you are. You are who I am who you say I am. I'm chosen and I'm forgiven and I'm your child here. And so God is saying, all of my kids, all of my children, I want my kids to have my heart for my family. I want them, I reconcile, I want them to have my heart for my family here. No longer isolating yourself there. Designed by God. Designed by God to live out our lives in community, in relationship. And I get it, I get it. I totally get it. That as I'm talking, as I'm talking, people are here and thinking, yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't know my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in just a few minutes here. We're all children of God. And so, and this is why, this is why sanctuary, why we're so passionate and why we so encourage everyone to be part of a community and to find life there because life goes better in circles there. It says that we're citizens. So here is my passport. This is my passport. Okay, this is uh, my passport here, my second or third one. That's me right there. It says United States of America. And so because I have this passport, I have all the rights and all the privileges of a citizen of the United States of America because I am a citizen. This is saying, look, you're a spiritual citizen and you have all the rights and all the privileges because you are a citizen of God's kingdom. You are a citizen of an an eternal kingdom with every right and privilege there. It's stamped heaven upon it. It says, verse 20, together, here's more of who you are, your new story, We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone, the most important part of it all, which holds it all together, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Who are we? My identity is, I'm his house. In other words, the spirit of the living God, he dwells inside you. No longer does God dwell in temples made with hands, but in you and in you and in you. And together, collectively, we are his temple. And so you are God's house. You, you have his presence at all times because he dwells inside you. How amazing is that that the presence of God actually dwells in us? I mean, that's greater than the Super Bowl. I don't, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl, but that's greater news than that. So God dwells in you, actually dwells in you. God, God is in you. He's more than masonry. More than dwelling in masonry, he dwells in people here. And Jesus says is the cornerstone. He's our foundation. He's the one we rally around. The cornerstone was the most important stone, a larger stone. Everything else was built off the cornerstone there. It was the foundation. It was the standard upon which the building was constructed. So you began with the cornerstone there. The foundation of the Christian life is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. 
So it says here that so you build your you build your personal foundation upon him because that will never crumble. So be encouraged to make Jesus your sure foundation. We are in your notes there. We are a holy temple for God. We're a holy temple for God. And so the church again, not a building, okay, but a people here. We're a holy temple. Question, question. That being the case, how comfortable is God doing in the temple? How comfortable is God in the temple? Uh, what's your, what, what, I, what I do, what I look at, what I, what I take in here, how comfortable with the purity, how comfortable is God with the temple? Verse 22. Through him, you Gentiles, that includes all of us here, are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So we are his dwelling place. We are the place here that God dwells in me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's a nearness to God as a Christ follower that you have. You are the actual dwelling place of the Almighty. And individually, we're the temple of God. The Holy Spirit uh, lives inside of us. But again, how are we doing with the temple? How is God feeling in the temple there? And so God is saying this. I want to close. I want to wrap this up this way and close, the, close this way. God is saying, I tore down the walls between you and me. I tore down the wall between you and me. And I need you. I need you to tear down some walls between one another. And so what about you? What walls is God inviting you to tear down between you and maybe him or you and other people? Here's four takeaways that I have for us. It's not in your notes. Four takeaways. Number one is identify the wall. Maybe you just need to take a, maybe they're abundantly screaming at you. Maybe the walls are screaming at you as I've been speaking this morning. For some of you, that's been the case. The walls are screaming. Perhaps some of us, we need to take moments and ask God to, to, to show us, to speak to us about the walls there. What is the one thing that someone has done to you that has caused you to build a wall? I'm struggling through that. Walls have been done to me and creates the wall. Then how do you overcome that wall? Secondly, after you identify the wall, is to be intentional about the wall coming down. And now I would ask you this, this massive wall that existed between the Gentiles and the Jews, did Jesus have to be intentional and come from heaven to earth for that to happen? Or could he just have done life as usual in heaven and everything is good between Jew and Gentile? No, he had to come from heaven to earth. Jesus had to be intentional, came to earth, died on a cross, so that relationship can be restored. My suggestion to you, if walls are going to come down, you can't think about them. You've got to be intentional. You have to be intentional. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable here. Because here's what I know to be true. Here's what I know to be true. And that is the drift of your heart and the drift of my heart, regardless of your ethnicity, it's not to do anything. That's the drift of the human heart here. The drift of the human heart is going to take the, the easy road. The drift of the human heart is it, is it to leave those walls as they are. Because it will require to identify them and to be intentional about them. And so 
We take steps, we get intentional. I think one of the things we need to do is we need to maybe hear their story and, 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 and try to understand life a little bit more from their perspective. But number three, you need to realize this, recognize this, is that walls take a long time to come down. They usually take a long time to get built, and it's hard to deconstruct walls. It's hard to deconstruct the narrative of the wall there. And so it's very difficult. Maybe this week you could just start with one little, like, brick or a little sand by the brick there. It's going to take sacrifice, but you begin the journey. And the last thing is this, is that you pray. That you pray and you ask God to give you the desire and the strength and the courage to face some of the barriers that are undermining relationships in your life. You need to pray for courage and strength to begin that journey there. Because otherwise, it will never happen. Your life is better on the other side of the walls. Life with walls is no life at all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. And thank you, Lord that you speak to us, that your word is alive and living and pierces to the dividing asunder between our soul and our spirit. And Father, I pray this morning as we would have a little sacred space where you can speak and you can work in the silence of a sacred space. And that God, that you would give us the desire and the strength and the courage to bring down some of the barriers that have hindered our relationships, walls that, that we have built up. And Father, as we look at others, May we see them a little more through your lens. They were worthy of sending your son to die for them, regardless what they did to us. And we thank you that you're a God who is infinitely more marvelous than we could even know. And may we grow in our understanding of who you are. And may God, the Holy Spirit, shape and mold and cause us to reflect on the people that we're called to be. A holy temple. A dwelling place of the Almighty. The family of God, your house, citizens of your kingdom, completing you with access to our Father. I pray that you would work in us and help us to break down the walls that have defined us and confined us and imprisoned us and hurt us. And we know that you desire for us to step into spaces to face the walls in our own life and to push back the darkness of that space. 
And may the Holy Spirit, we invite you to be ruthless and coming after every wall and come after everything in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.